Welcome to Outdoors. I'm Brian, and this morning I'm super excited to revisit Craig Romano, prolific guidebook author extraordinaire. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brian. Good to be good, good to be talking with you again. It's been a little while. Yeah. So so we met what several years ago at a it was like an REI event with a bunch of Washington authors. And I was drawn to your stage in your booth because like, who is this guy with all this energy? It's almost like you were bouncing off the walls. <laughs> and then I started looking at all the titles that you had published. And at the, I think about that time, you were working on finishing up 100 Classic Hikes Washington, you know, the from in the tradition of Irish Spring and Harvey Manning. And I was just super fascinated by that, by that book um, coming out. So we actually got together and hiked gothic basin mm-hmm. it's probably about this time of year wasn't it kind of fall hike before the weather changed uh late september yeah, it was a, yeah. the weather was gorgeous yeah yeah and um then we put together a little video thing kind of video review what what i was doing at the time <laughs> of uh gui- guidebooks working with different authors and um yeah just really enjoyed that outing and, and following you um virtually through your adventures every season. So uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast. And I think it'd be interesting for people to get a little bit of your background, um, like where you came from, how did you get into to doing this? Yeah, that's always, that's such a, a tough question. I don't have an easy answer. Uh, <clears throat> so I grew up in, in rural New Hampshire, um, grew up with the outdoors. Uh, so always out hiking, bike, actually, uh, my biggest love uh, when I was younger was the cycling. Uh, I was always a writer, loved to write. I was, uh, at a very young age, I would get up at five o'clock in the morning and write my, my own encyclopedias, that type of thing I was just doing. And I wrote for uh, uh, junior high newspaper, high school newspaper, college. So always, but I never thought about making, you know, bringing them together and making a career out of it. So that actually wouldn't happen until later in my life, um, in my 30s, after trying other things and realizing, you know, I'm destined to be a writer. I, I realized that at a young age, that's my passion. That's who I am. That's where I need to go. And you, where did you grow up again? In New Hampshire? In New Hampshire, yeah. Yeah. And then what brought you out to the West Coast? You know, um, a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I had been out here uh, three times before, um, and, you'll, uh, and you'll love this, twice, twice, twice of those times was via bicycle. I had bicycle across the country from, from New Hampshire. Um, so I had been out here three times, like twice my bike, once I came out in summer, do some hiking. Uh, and so I always, I always wanted to come out and do some more hiking, but I never had any desire to leave New England. I, I absolutely love Northern New England. Um, never thought I would leave. And then again, I had bad relationship and, and things were not, I, it was a really tough time in my life. And I said, you know, I need to get my head straight. I packed the car, <laughs> my Volkswagen, I packed it up, went on a two month road trip across America. And I thought, you know, my best buddy, the guy actually I biked across the country with, was in Seattle at the time doing his graduate work. I'll go up there, hang out with a little while, maybe get a job for the summer, and go back. So that's that's the short version. And how long ago was that? <laughs> that was in 1989. <laughs> so, so there must have been something compelling there to keep you there all these years. Well, you know, it's interesting because, yeah, all the time, um, so I was hiking like crazy, really falling in love with the landscape out here. Um, but again, my heart... It's definitely in New England. I love the lifestyle and the culture back there. Uh, and I would just stay up, you know, late at night, just, I mean, just torn, you know, I can't have both. Hmm. And then eventually um, things just started working. I said, you know, I'm just going to go back to college. And so this, I was in, uh, like in my early 30s. 
I ended up going to the U-Dub uh, instead of going back east. And just things started falling into place. So I started writing for the University of Washington Daily about hiking, getting offers to, you know, for bigger, better things, and still not thinking about writing as my career. Uh, and then I ended up going to graduate school out here, thought I was going to teach, and had my first, my first midlife crisis when I like, quit the only full-time job I ever had, because I did all kinds of other crazy things, ski bomb and surveyor and uh, backcountry ranger and you name it. Um, and just thought, you know, I need to make a living out of writing. This is, this is my passion. And as I became established here, um, yeah, the, the idea of going back east became uh, more remote. Uh, and so I'm firmly pretty, pretty much entrenched out here now with my writing. Uh, and yeah, my, my work is just, it's, everything is coming together. Uh, something you, you just have to go with it. You know, life was leading me this way and uh, I went with it and it's been great. So t- talking a little bit about the legacy of, um, of, uh, Iris Spring and Harvey Manning's hundred classic hikes and kind of how, how you got involved in being able to create the new version for that. Yeah, dream, dream come true. Uh, you know, growing up in the 80s, uh, back east, I, you know, I was always a big, big fan of, of hiking guidebooks, you know, at the Appalachian Mountain Club, but I still put out some wonderful books. Um, and then when I moved out here, uh, of course, you know, the first thing, this is before internet and everything else. And so I bought all, all the Harvey books. I mean, I had them all. I mean, I was a big fan. They're great. Um, uh, I really admire these guys. I mean, Harvey uh, obviously is a colorful character. We could spend you know, many podcasts just talking about Harvey and his legacy and everything. But uh, I really admired what they did and, um, and, and and the influence they had too. The influence uh, on other people as far as getting them out and getting them motivated. Uh, the influence on helping to direct public policy. You know, bringing them to light. Uh, so yeah, I can't remember when I started thinking, "Geez, I really like to write a book as well." And then again, being here in the Northwest at that time, thinking there's no way I can I can break in because these guys, you know, pretty much have the market on it. Uh, I wasn't even looking at there's so many com- competing titles out right now. But to me, and I'm not saying this because my publisher is Mountaineer's Books, but Mountaineer's Books it's the gold standard. Uh, you know, a lot of these competing titles just don't cut it. Um, so how do I get in with them? Um, and so still again, it's not on my radar. I, I was at this point I was writing for local magazines. Starting to get my name out there, but but still had a long way to go. And I actually pitched my first um, my first book proposal some sometime in the late '90s, mid '90s, because uh, I thought, well, where where's Manning Spring? Where 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 is the gap where they haven't covered? And it was in northeastern Washington, one of my actually you know, one of my favorite areas of the state. Um, and I pitched the title, and it got rejected. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't as much because uh, of me and my writing style, because of the people at the time said, ah, oh, there's no interest in that. Uh, no one's going to buy it. It's a very, very Seattle-centric committee. Of course, the irony and the sweet, sweetness is years later, I was able to put my Eastern Washington book out, and it sold very well. And it's like the, uh, yeah, I told you so moment. But, um, but that's the thing. But, but eventually, the, what's going on in the Mountaineers, and I'm not privy to the, to the inside uh, makings, but they were thinking the Manning and Spring, um, you know, it's been a long time. These guys, a lot, a lot of their work was in the 70s and 80s. The books are dated. They're not getting out. They're getting older. And then, I mean, Manning's been both passed away, I think 2003 and 2006. So at this point, what, where, what are we going to do? What's the next generation? Meanwhile, book sales are being chipped away, not as much because of internet and things like that, because other publishers are coming up. Uh, a lot of people realize that Manning and Spring are dated. Some of their, their the rhetoric uh, of Manning is very, very um, 
uh, divisive and not very tolerant, which actually it seems to be in, in again <laughs> in certain circles, unfortunately. But um, they needed new voices and uh, revamped the book. And I got I was noticed. My publisher had read some of my articles and said, this, this guy seems like he might be someone we can work with. And yeah, by giving a couple of titles initially and then just putting my passion and, and giving desires, it's like, I, this is what I want to do. Um, I just, I, I ran with it to the fact that, you know, now I'm pitching titles to them that they weren't considering. And yeah, and I've been very, very successful getting those launched and they've been, they've been successful selling. Hmm. So was it like this, this seventies and eighties when people were really getting into hiking as a, as its own thing? And when gear, you know, REI obviously started up then things like that were going on to get people more out in the outdoors as hiking as a pursuit um what what how much of that was the documentation and the and the physical guidebooks yeah so there's been several waves um as far as outdoor recreation and such and certainly yeah but starting in the 60s uh, in the 60s a lot of a lot of fueled by the back of the earth movement and, and kind of getting um just kind of shunning a lot of the commercialism and everything discovering outdoors and really getting into nature uh so big move and i believe backpacker magazine came out late 60s or 70s somewhere and it was really you know the old issue of trade it, it was a hippie journal um how things have changed and now it's just pushing all this high-tech gear it's, it's amazing how things have morphed but yeah that was the first thing but back then uh how a lot of people and i grew up in a rural environment so so it wasn't very hard to connect we, we i just walk out my my door down the old abandoned railroad track beds and you know all just amazing spend you couldn't get me out of the woods that's all we did in, in, in new hampshire uh, but for more urban people, like in Boston and in, in, in the cities, they had the Appalachian Mountain Club um, was a place that, that people could connect. And then, of course, here's the other thing. Back in the 1970s, when I was a kid, uh, scouting was at its peak. It was one of the, you know, that's about on the decline now. And so a lot of uh, urban, rural, suburban kids learned about the outdoors through organizations like scouting. Also, hiking organizations were huge back then, too. They're more fan of mountaineers and more family-oriented. And, and, and a lot of these groups would go through these declines um, as just demographics have, have changed, people have changed. Uh, and some of them are starting to, to come back again, but from totally different approaches. But yeah, back then, to, to learn about the outdoors, pretty much you had to be raised with it. So if your family was doing it, you got it that way through scouting, uh, through organizations, or you know, again, if you just grew up in the woods, that, that's what you did. So that was that was the original push. And, and also, I should, and, and it was very, um, at the time, a lot of the recreation, particularly when it comes to national parks and everything, yeah, it was still something that a lot of upper middle class families would do and everything. You you, you wouldn't just, I, I remember growing up a lot of, uh, none of my friends, I heard them, oh, let's just go on a road trip and hit all the national parks. It was, that was one of the things. Uh, we'd have our local, like we had Acadia National Park, and you go up there for a weekend or something like that. But yeah, as far as um, just, uh, it's gotten far more egalitarian as far as uh, access to parks and hmm. people getting involved. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that kind of mirrors my experience too, because growing up in Southwest Montana, you know, my dad is a forest ranger. So we would go to the places that we knew that were close. And it wasn't until I moved to Washington to go to college then I didn't know where anything was. So it was still organizations, outdoor clubs, things like that, kind of a mentorship process, right? right? And then I started really buying tons of guidebooks when I got into rock climbing, 
because you don't just go out and climb some random cliff. You know, you have to know exactly what the gear is, what the moves are, where the rappel stations are. So from there, I guess my experience with learning about outdoor experiences through guidebooks was climbing, mountaineering, and then hiking. Um, and then getting, you know, a handful of these books, I thought was really incredible because everybody goes to the same popular spots, you know, the mountain size and the, the same trailheads and, and everyone is the same ones, but there's so many more that are, you know, equivalent, if not better, because there's fewer people and better experiences that can spread people out, you know? So, so I think it's pretty interesting, like just during that time period, how, in my experience has changed from, yeah, your family. I, I go out with scouts doing stuff. And now people are learning about these experiences from a completely different perspective. So what, what do you think, how, how have you seen that influence um, the guidebook world? Like, do people still use these in the same way? Or are they kind of uh, different than it was when you started? Yeah, the, the answer to that would be both. <laughs> um, and, and it's amazing. Again, like I said, yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and the irony too, when I when I finally was getting established as guidebook author, uh, so this is around the early 2000s, uh, and thinking finally made it, and then all of a sudden the internet's taking on a bigger role. And I'm thinking, oh my god, everything I worked for, I'm about to be, I'm going to be a dinosaur. It's all over. And I know a lot of us were thinking it's the end of print. We're done. Uh, and then with each, and and that has obviously not happened. Here we are, uh, all these years later, guidebooks are coming out galore. There's more out than ever before. Somebody's got to be buying them. Um, and then at, at the same token, uh, I mean, as we know too, um, yeah, the, uh, as far as how people are being introduced is changing a lot. So the internet, and uh, in, in particularly social media, has had a profound effect uh, on outdoor recreation, both good and bad. Uh, and so, you know, I, I certainly use social media as a marketing tool to connect to people as an author i can't even imagine not using it uh in this day and age so it's become it, it's become very very effective for me <clears throat> to connect to my readers uh but on the same token i'm saying it, it's created all kinds of problems because all the things you were saying brian i remember when i, when I moved out here 32 years ago mount Sai was a busy place then uh you know people know they said instead of finding out about mount Sai on you know instagram there would there'd be a seattle times article on it when people actually more people read newspapers or, or an evening magazine, uh, mm -hmm. or just because it was the one hike that everybody did, word of mouth. Um, right. It was funny when I right. came out here, people were like, oh, you need to, you know, I'm already finding all these off the beaten trails. I've always been that way. And people are like, oh, you should try them outside. And I'm laughing. Like, yeah, you're the one, the one place. And I've already been to all these obscure places. So that hasn't changed. If anything, it's exacerbated. Those crowded places have become even more crowded. And the biggest difference, um, what's affecting, the, obviously, besides the numbers of people, and again, we'll talk about the good and bad of that, is that when you belong to a hiking club like the Mountaineers or the Appalachian Mountain Club or uh, enlightened scout groups, there's plenty of bad scouting groups who, who taught you uh, properly no trace, which is a whole <laughs> movement that was coming in the 70s to combat a lot of the, the, the poor uh, practices that people were doing back in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> um, you were learning correct ways of, of interacting with the land. Unfortunately, that's not happening right now in some of because so many people are learning about a trail like, oh, look at this pretty picture on the internet. And they're going without any idea about their impact, how to interact, rules and regulations, or even their own personal safety 
Um, so that's creating all kinds of problems right now. Hmm. So, um, yeah, and they're not reading my guidebooks, so I'm not reaching them. So how do you reach them? And, and, and that's becoming a big challenge for a lot of us, not just uh, authors, but also people, hiking organizations, land managers. How do we reach this new generation? Hmm. Um, because everything is, is online to them. So, so to survive as, a, as, a, as, a, as an author, as a, in print author, I've had to um, certainly embrace more of, uh, of, of, of the Internet as well, too. And, and I think that's true in, in all media now. And probably things that what you do, too. It's a, it's a combination. We've got you work with, with both, you know, to, to make it effective. And you will get some converts. And so what's interesting, um, and, and again, I, I'm not totally up on the pulse of, of uh, trends and certainly on, on young people. <laughs> But what I've started seeing uh, in the last kind of five, six years or so is print is starting to come back uh, for a lot of people. Just like I have young friends who are into vinyl. So it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, 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 they want the sound in vinyl. Uh, and so um, one of my, this, this, is, this is happening this summer. And this is one of the things that just restored my, my faith that I'm not a dinosaur. I'm still there. So I'm on a really obscure trail in the Chihuahua River Valley, north of Lake Wenatchee. Here comes this young trail runner. He's in his 20s. And uh, we stop and chat. And I said, you know, I'm a trail runner. I wouldn't run this trail. This is kind of rough, blah, blah, blah. I can give you so many better places to run if you want. And he looks at me. He goes, yeah, I know. He goes, he says, but I have this book by Craig Romano. And I'm trying to get all these trails done. And I, I just, my, I, I sunk. <laughs> and I think, you're kidding. I go, I'm the author. And we, so... So, you know, all of a sudden we just started talking, but at one point, uh, you know, I was impressed. Great. He's a, he's a, he's a runner. He's doing all these obscure trails. So I finally asked him, I, I got to ask you, I said, you know, you're, you're young. You're gonna, you bought a book. This is great. What's yeah. going on? Right. Um, Cause I, you know, I, I don't see it. And he said, you know, there's so much junk out there on the mm -hmm. internet, but the, um, the crowdsource stuff, you are, you're, you're, you're the real deal. You're, you're a trusted source. Right. You, gotta, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I thought, yeah, man, you, you know, you need to get that word. That's exactly what, I mean, obviously I'm, yeah, I need to get the word out because it's how I make my living, but also, but yeah, the truth in that, in that, yes, I mean, yeah, I'm going to tell you, I am the trusted source. I do all the research. You're going to get more than just the pretty picture hmm. and you're going to get a better experience because you're going to know what you're getting yourself into. And in, 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 I bring up topics like leave no trace and wildlife and everything else that's out there that you're not getting from these quick, quick, uh, these uh, quick, clicks on the internet so mm -hmm. um in the same thing like you know when i first started doing book talks i would and, and i was still in my 40s and i would sit out there and i'd look in the audience i was the youngest person in a lot of these crowds it was all aging boomers uh and and now i, I do these talks i just did one in tacoma this week and there's a lot more young faces in my audience and that's been mm -hmm. really really uh reassuring that um all right, people are starting to realize the value of, of resources. And again, my, my book and my book sales have been the best ever in the last couple of years. Hmm. The pandemic has um, has changed things. Books are big. People are, are sick of Zoom. They're sick of being on. They're, they're they're leaving social media or at least taking a diet from this stuff. Um, you know, same thing. I, I'm on a computer a lot because I write. And mm -hmm. when I'm sitting waiting for a flight or on a plane, I'm reading a physical magazine. I don't mm -hmm. want to look at a tiny screen anymore. And so a lot of people are, um, you know, the same way. They like the reaction. You hold a book. You have a different relationship with the book. Um, you got by yeah. a campfire. You want to a Kindle by the campfire. You want a real book. And so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so these these trends, I hope they continue. 
and, and if they do, then then yeah, I won't be looking at the unemployment line anytime soon. So, hmm. well, with a physical book, um, you know, and the ones I'm working on now are illustrated book with a lot of digital content. Mm-hmm. But the thing I'm noticing is that you know, devices are great for kind of broadening a horizon and seeing a lot of stuff out there. But it's a river of content. And if you want any deep content, then it's hard to find it. It's hard to find something that was posted three days ago on Facebook. You know, it's like it's gone. It's washed away. <laughs> so, yeah. so you need like an anchor, like a physical thing, like yeah. a physical copy that's analog so that people can detach from that. They might not know about it unless there's social media, you know, in this day and age, how we communicate. But then having that deeper dive in a physical thing seems really, really valuable. Um, yeah, you, and you nailed it. And the, the other thing too, I remember in the beginning when all these hiking sites, and you know, I remember I, I felt so threatened by them in the beginning. And I realized so much of them are just garbage. It's crowdsourced. I have nothing to worry about. But a lot of the argument was, well, we can keep up with uh, changes on the internet. We're a book. You know, can't do that in my printing. But the thing is, I'm finding keeping up on the internet is just as hard work as, as um, it's keeping up as an author. It's not being done. Yeah. Uh, and so you can still pull up stuff. Hit you can hit Kennedy Hot Springs, for instance, by all kinds of suggestions. I get they have been washed out for eighteen years now, and yet you still I yeah, it's online, people. so they must still be there, right? Exactly. I will meet yeah. people that are still looking. They're they get to it like, oh, we were going to do this hike, but the roads washed out. It's been washed out for ten years. So so yeah, again, they're using unreliable sources, just clicking. Just like all the false narratives that are out there in politics and everything, there's a lot of that out there in recreation as well. And then the other thing, too, when you buy my book and you read my book, it's the real deal. You're getting information. I'm not trying to sell you here. I'm not trying to data mine who you are so I can hit you up with things. So, all again, all this stuff on the Internet, <laughs> this stuff is just being thrown up there. Um, you know, there, there's ulterior motives to that stuff, too. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm just about hiking and educating you about trails and everything. I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking at your wallet, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating just seeing that, that all evolve. And I'm, I'm really encouraged though, to, to see that guidebooks are thriving and people being able to get hopefully back into a little bit of that, that mentorship and the community around it that I experienced through scouts and other outdoor clubs, that sort of thing. Cause I think that's a big part of it. It's, it's more about, well, for me, that's the experiences I remember. The reason I'm documenting all this stuff is because my kids are growing up, you know, right. like with my, my twins, we started hiking prolifically in the 2005-ish area when they were born because I couldn't go climbing anymore, right? So <laughs> rock climbing was out of the picture with twins. Right. So we would explore all these other places, you know, the valleys and the streams and the lakes and the, you know, things in between the beaches, in between the crags. And um, it was just you know, looking back on it, my kids are going to be out of high school next year. Wow! So now, um, you know, my first 10 years, that best of the Northwest project was really documentation of these precious years. And now I have a lot of that, that, you know, I can look back on and remember what it felt like being there and being as a family, you know? So I think that sort of ability to, and, and for me, guidebooks enabled a lot of that because like your trail runner friend, I go in there and I like to read it like a novel and go to every chapter, yeah, you know, I, I, I go I'm front to back. Way. And then depending on the season, I'm, I'm dog earing the corners and I've completed, 
I haven't done all of your hundred classics or all of your, your books are so long. I haven't done all those, but I've <laughs> completed two local, you know, Seattle guidebooks and we're working on one in Montana to get all 60 of those done before, right. you know, before my kids are gone. So it's, it's kind of like a, a way to a physical thing to, to benchmark memories for, for my, my family. Well, it's funny you mentioned that about the books and this is going to show you I had the same with the Manning Spring plus a uh, couple with my New England frugality. I would get the hundred hikes. How much can I, you know, and back then when it was like $10 a book, like how much can I get each one of these hikes to cost me by doing every hike, you know? Oh, so yeah. as I do more and more hikes, <laughs> I'm down to the book had that. And I would do this, like, am I going to get, you know, down to 25 cents a hike? 10 cents a hike. <laughs> so, but the same thing, yeah, that documentation of uh, trying to get through. And again, it, the book would also certainly um, open my eyes at the place I never even considered going to. Uh, and again, if you're just clicking on just seeing the same old, same old on the internet, you're, you're going to keep going to these crowded places and you're never going to see a, a lot of these other places mm -hmm. that you'll have a much more meaningful experience. And the other thing that's funny, I just got to back up to what you were saying, Brian, with, with your own kids. And, and, and certainly this part, this certainly has nothing to do with marketing to other people, but I had that same kind of uh, um, selfish satisfaction, as, as you will, with my own son. <clears throat> Excuse me, you know, I became a father much later in life. And as I was doing this, um, you know, I was just finishing up the backpack and all this hardcore stuff. And all of a sudden I started working on this urban trail series that worked out perfectly. I and mean, then people actually said, you timed this. No, I didn't time this. I mean, you know, the, you know, use my son as a marketing proctor. But, um, but the thing is, after doing all these ridiculous hardcore backcountry stuff, now I'm putzing around these, these trails on the fringe of, the, of suburbia with them on my back. Yeah. And again, watching it, how fast and all the pictures of them through all the years. I'm like, oh my God, can I, it was you know, it just seems like yesterday, where's the time going, hmm. you know? And um, yeah, so that's been fun because, you know, he, he accompanies me on, on, on quite a few hikes and I, I document that in photos. And, um, yeah. It just uh, freezing those, those, those moments. Well, and you know, with little ones, like it's a different pace, right? So, yeah. you know, if, if we're going out, just trying to hit a destination, just hammering hard and going fast, you know, and I, I think I calculated when I'm going by myself and my dog, I'm five times faster than my family. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I gotta yeah. like plan enough snacks, you know, and yep. stuff to be, I'm going to be out there five times longer than if I was just doing that by myself. But what I realized, bring my camera, bring my sketchbook. They're noticing things like, uh, Oh, check out these cool mushrooms or like, right. you know, there are other, other things that you don't see moving at a much slower pace. Yeah. And, and, and I wrote an article about that just recently too, about hiking with kids and exactly you nailed it. And, and, and especially, um, you know, I've been doing this for years. I've been, and, and I'm a trail runner too. So you're just, you know, flying to, <laughs> and yeah, you're just, you know, yeah, what's a bunch of stupid mushrooms on the ground. You're, you know, you're just going, and all of a sudden, yeah, your kid's sitting there noticing the intricacies of, of something happening on that mushroom, some weird insect that you never, and it's, yeah, exactly. It gets you to start looking at things in a whole different perspective. And I imagine when I get into my more golden years and I'm forced to slow down, you'll come around full circle again and I, and I won't be able to do the ridiculous 30 mile days and I'll have to, I'll have to start, you know, putzing around and looking around more. And, and that's good. <laughs> you know, so I think sometimes we lose, we lose um, touch of that too. You start think things start becoming familiar and, and that magic is gone. It's actually one of the reasons I love, uh, I, I go to Southern California frequently. And one of the things I love about hiking down there, besides the weather is great, um, it's, it's, it's foreign to me. I have no idea what I'm looking mm -hmm. at. So every plant, every bird, every reptile, 
it's fascinating. I feel like a kid again because it's new. We're in the Northwest and in the Northeast where I've hiked so much. It's like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like, I, I know everything. It's like, I'm, you know, there's no surprises left, you know? Very so, familiar, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is fascinating traveling to a new place, especially like when I go out of the desert or something like, exactly. wow, what is that? What is, you don't know what anything is. <laughs> right. Totally out of my element. Just, and it could be, it could be the most simple prolific flower and i have no idea what it is yeah yeah there's there's you know it's just so much discovery but i I think it's really great for people to start exploring like that and having this deep profound appreciation of nature you know like um i don't know if you have a copy of joel satori's book photo arc you know about endangered endangered animals but just getting that kind of biodiversity in front of people and I don't think you, you don't get that if, you know, day to day urban life, unless you're out in the elements, noticing these things. And you have to train your, yourself to notice them because again, and this is another thing that so many of the new, the, the Instagram masses, they're, they're trying to hit their bucket list. They're running up these quick pictures of themselves. You know, um, they don't, they have no idea. They don't know what a Stellar's J or a Douglas fir, you know, and, and, and a lodgepole pine. I mean, because it's, they're, they're not having that type of experience. It's a very different, I would say superficial. I'll probably take some heat for that. But um, it's a very different experience than a lot of us, uh, certainly from the early days. We, we, we went out to with not just about the physical challenge, though I certainly enjoy that. I'm a trail runner. Um, but also that whole holistic um, becoming one of nature and, and, and really observing things. I think a lot of that is lost uh, with, um, with a lot of the newer people coming in. However, a lot of the newer crowd coming in will get to that level at some point, uh, and, and, and some never will, and, and perhaps some of them will hit their bucket list and then move on to something else, and that's fine too. But the ones that will, will eventually morph into, into getting more and, and, and becoming stewards, and, and, and we have to realize that and not just poo-poo the masses and, and who are doing you know, terrible things right now out there and realize, hey, there's some potential here. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's, green, let's green bond these these people and, and get them involved and, and, and keep the momentum going. And I feel I have a role in that very yeah. much. So. Yeah. So, um, so what are you working on now? What, are, what is your, 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 we talked in the past about your cycle, you know, summer to fall is pretty intense in the, yeah. in your field exploration. And, and now you start kind of winding down into, you know, winter and, and writing and collecting your thoughts and collecting your experiences for your, your re- latest books. So uh, what are you working on now? Yeah, for books, um, so right now I'm finishing up the, the second edition for the Day Hiking Central Castles. Uh, so we're getting pretty close to finishing that up. That's been a, a great project. It's one of my, my favorite areas um, in the state for hiking. Just wonderful places. Uh, the Antioch, the Lake Wenatchee area, they're just great. But I was in Stahican, um like two months ago again. I just, just love that area. Uh, and then um, I've also begun doing work. Uh, updating new edition for the, my day hiking Columbia River Gorge, and that's going to be a big overhaul because of the fires and things mm-hmm. changing. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there's going to be trails there that I'm going to have to take out of the book because they're just not coming back and fly changes. And then for for new projects, um, just had a just had a um, talk with my my publisher, so uh, the, the contracts should be on the way. I finally, finally get to do my Urban Trails Vancouver, British Columbia run, which I'm, I'm super stoked nice. uh, to do. And the border finally opened up for everybody. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's going to be the, the, the newest one in the Urban Trail series. And then I'll start work on a statewide uh, rail trail book, which is also <laughs> going to be fun. And it'll be my very first book that I write that won't be uh, 
totally pedestrian centric because mm-hmm. I will actually be incorporating a lot of cycling on yeah. this one too. So that's going to be a fun. And my son, you know, getting older, accomplishing a lot. It's another thing I can do a lot of the research with uh, on bicycle because he he did his first twenty five mile bike ride when he was five years old. This kid, I, have, I have high expectations of this kid, so we'll be doing fifteen hundred mile bike rides in no time here. So yeah, and those rails, the trails. I mean, it's perfect grade for just getting long gravel rides out, right? Perfect. Yep. Yep. So th- those 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 are the projects coming down the pipeline uh, in the publishing world. I'm working on. I do a lot of tours and riding. I'm working on a big statewide. Uh, project that I can't talk about yet, but you'll be hearing more about it later. Uh, mm-hmm. So things things keep me busy, and then public speaking enough to keep me busy. Yeah. Oh, and what? also uh, I've been recruited. I may start doing some uh, um, tour touring, uh, leading hikes in in certain areas. Oh. I've been in talks with a with a adventure tripper, a, a startup in in the Bellevue area. Just um, just doing some wonderful. Um, wonderful outdoor traveling and so i may lead a couple of trips for the next year so we're in the, we're in the talks about that would, would that be day hiking or yeah it would be yeah. a place yeah we, it would be uh, primarily uh geared towards people i'm leading so it's not it, it's not uh you know it won't be dictated what i want to do necessarily as far as distance and time so i'm, I'm imagining to be more mid-range and we'll be staying uh be a place where you know we'll stay in decent accommodations and 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 that's how they have some flex in the itinerary. Uh, so a lot of hiking and also um, some workshop tech things like learning certain techniques. Again, mm-hmm. we just, we're trying to feel out what people are interested in, where they want to go, what they want to do. And then uh, hopefully we'll design a couple of trips. Hmm. Yeah. It's, I wonder like to, to draw people, would it be more of a, a certain, certain experience and then kind of an educational component to it? Exactly. Well, it's also the type too, there's, um, there's quite a few people, and I know uh, a lot of the people that have been using Adventure Tripper um, are new to hiking, or also even new to the country. Uh, a lot of them are on uh, work visas, they're over on the east side, so again, they're busy, they don't know what's out there, they just need someone to, hey, can you just help us out, get through that, because I just want to do the hiking. So it'll be a lot of that, too, kind of doing all that work for them, it's like, just show up, we'll take care of it. Yeah. Which is actually, my wife and I, we were we did that type of work in Europe years ago. We were your guides in the Pyrenees. Same type of thing. We'd meet we would meet the, our American clients in the in the host town we were at at the, at the nice accommodation if you want. And yeah, we did all the the planning. They didn't have to worry about speaking French or Spanish or finding the trailhead. We did all that, you know. And we acted, you know, we knew enough knowledge about what you're looking at, the history of the place, the wildlife, so they don't have to thumb through books they can't understand. Um, and yeah, it's a great model. And depending again on who's there, depends on whether we're just going to do a nice, easy hike or something, you know, a little challenging across, across a range or something like that. Hmm. But, um, so yeah, it was, it was fun, fun work, uh, hard work, but fun work. Yeah. <laughs> that it sounds good. Got, got me to France on a regular basis. <laughs> that sounds pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I need to get back out to Washington sometime soon. This has been the longest stint. I haven't been back there in 20 years. Um, Holy, yeah, it's been long. Yeah, so I've just been nose to the grindstone. Um, well, I've been, you know, documenting local trails here in Bozeman and Big Sky and yeah, yeah. illustrating and animating a, a guidebook series of hike, bike, and ski. So it's kind of year-round trails that I'll put into one volume. So right. I'm probably one more year out of and another 60 illustrations I need to finish up. <laughs> so so yeah. I, haven't, I haven't been traveling much lately, but I'm really looking forward to getting back out there again. You know, it's funny you say that because I'm feeling the same way. 
you know, before I started writing guidebooks, you know, I was, I, I, I toured in Europe. I was, did that. I, I've um, been to South America a couple of times, um, Asia, and then throughout the country because I just love. And then what I realized once I started getting, getting into the guidebooks, yeah, as much as I love it, I mean, I know Washington, it's like, I miss California. I miss, I miss the East. I miss Canada. I miss, I miss Italy. I mean, I mean, because there's just none of this time. Uh, and that's one of the things now that I'm looking at as I'm getting older and trying to work on my second act, where I want to go with books, trying to balance kind of the me time on this now. Stuff that I don't want to write book projects about. I just want to go out and, and, and hike the Apennines and not write about it. I just want to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because I was just I was just back east a couple of weeks ago. With my brother who's also a guidebook author, um, and he's working on the update of his hundred classic hikes in New England. Hmm. So I'm back in in this area of Vermont that I actually lived in. 30, 32 years ago, uh, I hadn't been back since, and we've been hiking, and I'm just, again, it's fun going back, it's like, it's, it's just great to go back, a lot of it felt new again, and I didn't have to write any notes or take any tracks, I, I felt compelled, I need, it's like, he, he, it's all his, even though I felt compelled to offer advice sometimes, like, I would put that in the book, but, you know, just trying to, hey, I'm out here on vacation, man, have fun, just go hiking, let him worry about even the point that since it was his project, I didn't plan the hikes. Like, where do you want? Because I, I, I know anything's good. I'll go anywhere. So I'm just, I, I'm just tagging along on a week of great hikes, and I didn't take one note. <laughs> is, is he the brother that came with us when we did Gothic Basin? Um, no, it's a different one. But he different actually one. joined us on half those hikes. Okay. Yeah, he nice. he hikes pretty prolifically and doesn't write about it, so he can enjoy it far more. <laughs> but I have, I have another brother in Maine uh, who's written four books for Mountaineers. And okay. So yeah, that's so we all all three of us are together, which is that we usually don't get together that often either. And just um yeah, that's that's your you plan it, I'll be there. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, well, we got time for about one more question. Um, what are you most excited about this next uh, season and year coming up? Oh boy. Um, you know, I, I I'm hoping this is you know, that's an interesting question too, because I do have a couple of trips that I'm looking at. Um that I get out, but the, with COVID, it's crazy right now. I don't, you know, first travel. Um, I had some great, uh, this spring, we, we did this wonderful trip totally on the fly. Um, uh, I rented a, rented a car before the big car shortage, got a good deal, and took the family, and we went to Humboldt County, one of my favorite places. Um, and, and I just miss that kind of stuff. I love the beaches, just, just bumming around the beach and hiking. Again, it was, it was one of those trips where I spent, 10 days hiking enjoy myself, not writing one note. Uh, I'm hoping to do, so I'm looking at another California trip. I'm looking at a Southeast trip. I haven't, I haven't, I love the kayak too. So I've got my eyes on some, some swamps that I want to paddle in the, on the Gulf coast. Um, so I'm hoping that's going to happen. Um, yeah, just plugging away. I'm, I'm excited about to be, start working on my Vancouver book. Um, I haven't been up there since uh, February of 2020. Uh, Incidentally, I was up there talking to an author about working on this book, and then a month later, our whole world got turned upside down, and that was the end of that. So I'm really looking forward forward to that. Um, you know, Vancouver is really close to where I live, so it's it's day trips and weekends. I can take my family. Um, so yeah, I, 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 and that's the point. I guess to make that as much as I complain sometimes, like these books are so much work. And, Again, it gives me a motivation because you talk to how many people have been to Vancouver a bazillion times and all they do is go to Stanley Park. And I'm writing a book that's going to have 55 destinations within the lower mainland. And a lot of those I never would have gotten to either if I wasn't writing a book. So, um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then the other thing, I, um, I'm looking forward to more um, 
ultra running trail. I started, uh, I started ultra running uh, in my late forties and then kind of went off a while. And then I, as we talked earlier, I, I felt this, uh, 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 yeah, uh, autoimmune disease last year that's had me reassessing my life and I've got in control and, and I decided I really, um, I'm going to go for it now. I got to do, there's only so many good years left. Eventually I'll slow down. So I'm challenging myself. I did the Cougar Mountain 50K two weeks ago, um, you know, kicked my butt 7,300 uh, feet of elevation. But again, I'm out there running with the 30-year-olds and the 40-year-olds and, and uh, it's just fueling my fire. I'm enjoying it. I, I did uh, the Timberline Trail in a day uh, this summer, which was just grueling. Um, I loved it. <laughs> so I want to do more of that kind of stuff, too. So I'm looking at, all right, what what, what else locally and maybe somewhat, where, where can I find some more challenges? What, what looks good that I can do um, before, you know, I'm forced to finally start slowing down? Because uh, I, I, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down kicking, believe me, it's not going to be it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's funny. I think, you know, the, the more you explore and discover things, I know for me, at least my bucket list keeps getting longer. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Yeah. And yet, yet, you know, um, there's always so much, I know it's so depressing because you look at that hourglass and there's not as much sand on the top of that thing anymore. And, and you nailed it, Brian. I've always been this way. I remember even in my twenties, I had anxiety about all the things I wanted to do and it wasn't enough time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just like, I got to do it. And, 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 and it just, that's part of fuel how I created my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, realized, I can't spend my entire life working in an office and having two weeks vacation. Go, There's so much out there. I need to, I need to do it. Mm-hmm. And so that's always been, you know, it's funny because it's in now with younger people that's you only live once and it's fair enough. I was doing that stuff 40 years ago. Way ahead. That's, I, I, I recognize how important that was. So, um, so yeah, this is, um, this has been, it's just been great. Um, I'm sorry. I've just been distracted. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it, 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 so even now I realize I was, I had all that anxiety in my twenties and now I've got, even now at 60 years old, I've realized there isn't much time left. I got to get all this done. I could live four lifetimes. It's just, uh, and again, I don't understand people who complain about being bored just sit around and do nothing are you kidding can can i take some of those excess years from you because i I can put them to work well i think it's i think that's something that maybe comes with with age too i you know i remember thinking being younger i i just put my so many limitations on myself you know and then you get to a certain point like why i want to do that well i just just do it and you're seeing people now doing more outrageous longer more intense things because they don't know any different and they just start you know they're smart about it hopefully but but you start realizing at some point well what am i waiting for and why don't i get in here and learn new things try new things and just keep constantly pushing forward and then you end up like doing things you didn't think you were capable of doing absolutely like doing a 41 mile ten thousand foot vertical hike in a day at age 60. because your biggest again if you you know you're your worst critic and yourself and the same thing and it's changed a lot but certainly when i was growing up i mean you know i'm a young boomer so the boomers uh redefined everything but there was still i remember i was going to ride a bike across america age 18 and again the resistance from people right. i took remember, it wasn't just across the country it was around the country i, I spent eight months on the road hmm. and people were like that's irresponsible you should be going off to college you should be working just all this stuff uh there's less of that today. People yeah. now are saying, oh, that's wonderful. You should go go for that. 
Um, so yeah, and, and certainly I'm the type that will encourage you. If, if you're the type of parent who's upset that your kid wants to take a gap year because he's going to get behind, don't come, don't have me come talk to your kid because, you know, I, I took 13 gap years and ended up with an advanced degree. So <laughs> awesome. Well, Craig, is there anything else you'd like to add at this point? It's great, really great catching up with you. Likewise, Brian. Yeah, you know, I, you know me. I can talk forever. It's it's, it's an asset and and a problem. So <laughs> I just saw. It. I got a message from my one of my helpers. She said uh, my mountain biking book just won best local book of the year. Yay! Illustrated mountain bike book uh, regional thing. So what a weird concept. But I think people 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 like it apparently. So that's yeah. It just came in. That's exciting. That is so, exciting. Yeah. So we'll go, well, I hope that we can connect again soon. I, I'd love to go out and do, you know do some more trail time with you. It's always such a pleasure. Same. And I haven't been to Montana in years. Matter of fact, one of my very first projects is the hiking with dogs, Eastern Washington, hmm. which is now out of print. It was one of my very first books. I, I, um, in the Northwest, uh, had me in Western Montana. It was in the the cabinets and and up to Yak in that area. Um, well, I haven't been there in 17 years, 16 years. Wonderful area. So it's been, it's been a while since I've been in Montana. So. Well, I think, you know, I, I grew up here and I kind of, I was always dreaming about the Northwest because it's so exotic with all the ferns and, you know, Cascade Mountains and waterfalls, things we don't have here, you know, and glaciers and um, these in beach sides, all that stuff. And I'm still fascinated by it, you know, so, so around, but I think the thing that's in Montana, that's really unique is the wildlife. Oh, God, oh yes, my yeah. gosh. They're like on any given weekend, we're seeing, you know, elk, bear, um, everything except for, I don't see, ever see any big cats. They're always elusive to me. That's one thing I've never seen. That I want, would like They're to, out there. But, yeah. 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 But I mean, the wildlife, it's common that in, especially in certain places you, you see, you see things you know, yeah. because it, we're so close to the Yellowstone ecosystem. Um, so that's a really special thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that is very special. And again, you, and you just nailed a good point there, Brian. Uh, so I meet a lot of people, you know, everything, they look at Mount Rainier and Mount Rainier is superlative and spectacular. It's incredible. And they get caught in this, this mentality that nothing could possibly be as exciting as Mount Rainier because there's no other Mount Rainier. And that's where they lose it. Uh, they don't realize what they're doing. You know, I have hikes in Mississippi, you know, in, in the Mississippi River floodplain and the Yazoo National Wildlife Refuge, and just been, it, it's enchanting seeing old growth bald cypress swamps and alligators and all kinds of that. You're not going to see that in Washington. Uh, but you don't compare a, a swamp in Mississippi to the Cascades. It's two different ballgames. And I get asked it all the time. You know, I love the Appalachians. I, you know, I go there all the time. People always ask me, which one I like that, the Cascades or the Appalachians? Neither. It's like asking me, do I like folk music or jazz music better? They're <laughs> different. I like them both. You yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and depending on my mood is what I'm going to live. Mm. Well, it's the same thing. So people get in these attitudes sometimes. It's got to be biggest and baddest, and that. yeah, no, that's not the way. And you nailed it too. And parts of Eastern Washington, some of my favorite parts of the state that a lot of people want to consider going for the main reasons you mentioned that the megafauna. There's the yeah, moose out there and bears and lynx and just incredible and no people. So you're going to have a more of a wilderness experience than in some of these wilderness areas that are just full of people. So um, get out. So I always that's been one of my my um, main points always is getting out of that mindset uh, and, and and exploring other and, and taking. Again, I just love being on a trail. 
And it's, it was, I guess it goes back to our, our slowing down type thing. <laughs> I remember going across the prairies for the first time, too. Uh, again, growing up in the Northeast, living in the Northwest, I mean, very, very forested areas, things close. And then being out in prairie expanses that just blow your mind away. A lot of people are like, there's nothing there. It's like, well, there's vastness, but there's plenty there when you start looking at it. So uh, when I was doing a lot of travel riding with the Canadian tourism people, um, I, I got sent to Saskatchewan. And they used to get so frustrated because they'd come here to Seattle to recruit riders. Nobody wanted to go. It's Saskatchewan. There's nothing. I loved it. Going to, It was amazing because, again, just did nothing. Being in Saskatchewan is like nowhere else in the Northwest. It's an entirely different place. Uh, and yeah, I think people, once you see that, it's just incredible. Um, you're going to have some, you're, you'll always be satisfied. You'll, you'll never be bored. You'll never be let down because there's so much discovery. You know, it's like, yeah, I've, I've hiked, I've hiked in New Jersey in the Delaware water gap. There's talks right now about making that our next national park. Um, it's a special place. So, like people in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's lifetimes of trails to explore all over the place. Um, exactly. Craig, where can people learn more about your books and your series and, and about the work that you do? Yeah, I certainly invite you, CraigRomano.com. Uh, and if you're on social media, uh, it, Craig Romano Guidebook Off is my page. Uh, I'm very, very interactive, as you know, Brian. So, you know, it's a good way we can build up a relationship. You can also find where I'm doing. Um, uh, public speaking. Hopefully, get COVID under control. I'll be doing more and more of it. I really miss uh, interacting. I, I know a lot of a lot of authors uh, are pretty intro, are introverts. Uh, this East Coast Italian is not. I like being <laughs> I like being out and meeting people. And uh, so um, now there's a, there's a couple of places you can find out, uh, keep up with what I'm doing, where I'm going, what's coming on, and and you can connect that way. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast, Craig, and best of luck to all your adventures and really look forward to connecting again soon. Yeah, thank, thank you, Brian, for having me on, and I can't wait to get on the trail with you again sometime. It'll be fun. Absolutely.